0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the British English Podcast, a show that helps English learners around the world discover British culture along with useful language that natives are actually using day-to-day with me, your host, Charlie Baxter. In this episode, I'm back in the sound booth to have an intimate conversation with you via Irene, aka my microphone. I've called my microphone Irene and today we are going for an overview of <laughs> British humour. Hmm. Okay. In future episodes we'll get into the smaller details of humour as there is an amazing amount of content to cover around this topic for us Brits, I could perhaps compare such a task to asking an Italian podcaster to cover all Italian foods in one episode. Asking the near impossible, almost impossible, the near impossible. In fact, I'd like to think that uh, as Brits are known to have a rather weak cuisine in relative terms to the Italians, Indians, and or Thai cultures. Uh, What we fail to deliver on in the cuisine front, we attempt to make up for with our humour. So, yes, we have a lot to talk about, but an even bigger reason that I want to include the topic of humour in season one of the British English podcast is because of its synchronicity with our usage of language. I've had many moments in class with a student where they ask why on earth I'm choosing to correct their sentence in such a way. A very quick and oversimplified example might be if they were to say, Charlie, I'm really good at dancing, which a Brit would actually never say. But if need be, a native might say, I'm not bad at having a little dance. And after reading into this a little in preparation for this episode, um, anthropologists who are the professionals who study this kind of thing, which is the um, study of humans and their cultures and relationships. um, So anthropologists that study British culture declare this choice of language to be due to our humour. And more specifically, in this case, it would be due to the understatement rule, which is a style of humour. It's obviously subjective. You don't have to find understatements funny. But British people understate a lot. And that is why I want to bring this to your attention, because it's really useful for learning British English. We understate everything. If, for example, you have an incredibly delicious meal for lunch, then if you were a Brit, you would say nothing more than, that wasn't bad. Or at a stretch, you might say, Oh, that was pretty good. So yes, the choice of language is affected massively by our humour. Therefore, my aim is to investigate and explain the rules of our humour in a relatively entertaining way for non-native learners like yourself. And of course, I'll be giving you intermediate to advanced language along the way to better your vocabulary. So let's get into this. Before we do, I'd like to remind you that if you are listening to this message, then you are not taking full advantage of the British English podcast, as we have the Academy, which is where I pour my blood, sweat and tears into every single episode. I go into further detail, giving you more content to enjoy and then deliver manually edited transcripts, video explanations of the advanced expressions used in the episode, pronunciation practice quizzes assignments flashcards glossaries for all the definitions etc etc so if you wanted to come away using the advanced language i'm exposing you to in each episode with confidence then i highly recommend you join the academy to do that you can head over to the britishenglishpodcast.com and you'll even be able to get a sample of the academy completely free Okay, an overview of a British sense of humour. So to begin, I'd like to start that this is my point of view, which is therefore not everyone's. My point of view is based on having grown up as a Brit in the south of England, and then in 2013, at the age of 23, I decided to do a spot of globetrotting. And uh, actually haven't really stopped since, so... I've experienced a number of cultures since then and after reading some books on this topic I am at this point where I'd like to discuss my overview of British humour. But again my opinion not necessarily shared with everyone. So I think it's good to start with comparisons. I know psychologists say it is unhealthy to do so but we all do it and it's human nature and as The Americans are so widely known by all, it might be good to point out our differences with them to start with. First and foremost, I believe on the whole, in general, on the whole, British people are brought up to never take themselves too seriously. You'll get the odd anomaly, of course, such as my sister, for example. I'll let my sisters figure out which one I'm referring to. But generally speaking, we are not allowed to promote ourselves as overly important or even our ideas or our work as very serious stuff. In your everyday experience of communication with Brits, there is an undertone of self-sabotage or self-deprecation, meaning making jokes about ourselves or which I'll discuss in more detail soon. I'm meaning that we want to come across as people who almost don't respect ourselves fully and and certainly don't believe we are the main character of the metaphorical movie. We don't request the spotlight and we poke fun at those that do, which is where we differ with American people. When I was living over in America, I was truly taken aback by how vocal the majority of them are About themselves they are comfortable talking about themselves in a serious manner without making jokes and for a prolonged amount of time and a clear positive out of that for americans is that for the most part they seem to be good public speakers which definitely definitely doesn't overlap with british people we have a a nationwide phobia of public speaking whereas american people seem to have that down meaning they feel more comfortable public speaking. And I learned from an American friend that it was a skill that is promoted right from the word go. At a young age, she was encouraged to speak up and make her opinion heard and that she has a right to be holding people's attention about her and her problems. So this understanding really clicked with me as I've always cringed whenever watching things like award ceremonies in America... Cringed meaning felt uncomfortable. You know, where the actors have a minute or two to discuss their achievements, and a lot of the time they are being genuinely serious, emotional, and a little more self centered than I would ever feel comfortable being. And that's coming from a, a Brit who wanted to make his own bloody podcast. So, I'm not against communicating our own ideas and and getting your point across, but what most Brits will relate to is doing it in a way through humour and through promoting a sense of imperfection on their own behalf. When British people meet, it's very often within the first couple of minutes that a joke is to be made, either by commenting on something trivial like the terrible weather, making fun of ourselves or taking the piss out of a mate who we are comfortable with so for you the British English learner using humour is a great way to connect with a Brit but I I want to add something here Um, although Brits are very comfortable discussing the terrible weather or the the shit weather we experience in the UK I've noticed um, they get upset when someone outside of the UK comments on it And this is a stereotype that a lot of my students often like to comment on. I say, what do you think of the UK? And and the first thing they'll say is, oh, the terrible weather. Um, So, yeah, British people are determined to not admit that it is terrible, even though it is. And they will defend it almost as defiantly as if it's a member of the family that you've offended. Only the Brits are allowed to slag off their own crappy weather. And, and throughout that, I was saying they uh, because I am living abroad, largely due to the lack of sunshine in the UK and will happily tell you how bad the weather really is back there. But if you'd like to make friends with a Brit in the UK, I would shy away from joking about the bad weather. Whereas making a joke about yourself is a great way to build rapport with a local I remember having a drink with a group of British expats in Germany and one German guy had a lot to say on a matter at hand, meaning he was very insightful about the topic we were talking about. And he knew a lot of people within the topic of conversation, but he failed to make it light-hearted or comical. And although Brits are generally too polite to say anything in a direct way, a number of us behind his back, like true cowards, uh, people who are not brave, uh, said at the end how boring it was because he never tried to make a joke or or take the piss out of himself. All of us Brits were sitting there waiting and waiting for him to make a joke, but it, it never came. He was just constantly on the serious side of life, which I rarely come across when talking to British people. Now, I'm not saying that other cultures... Don't use humour. I'm not that stupid. But I'm just letting you know of the British behaviours and how to connect with British people. And I also think this is a fundamental communicative behaviour that I'd like to encourage you to take on board as it will help you go so much further in the UK. So let's see. Step one, uh, dial down the level of seriousness in your approach to life. Dial down meaning decrease. Now this doesn't mean... Uh, to pack in your corporate job and become a clown for hire, but to simply embrace the idea that no one is perfect and it's good to be able to laugh at yourself, which you might already do, but I encourage you to do it even more so in English with the Brits. Remember... That this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to the Englishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. So, as I said, step one, dial down your seriousness. Step two, show your humorous side. Uh, one way could be to take the piss out of yourself, make jokes about yourself. And if you struggle with this, then you could simply compliment the Brits on their humor. Being that it is such a positive British stereotype that we hold on to regardless of how accurate it is or not, you are bound to make a better impact on a Brit by discussing this topic of humour rather than how bad the weather is. But yeah, ideally, we want to get you doing some Mm. self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, making jokes about yourself. So how do you do that? Well, it's simple, really. Just think of all the things that are wrong with you. Now, I'm I'm picturing um, various different students over the years and I can see how those from Asia might find this easier. You, you guys seem to be able to notice your mistakes and your errors. Those from, uh, say, Russia might find this a bit harder. Come on, you Russians. Everyone has flaws. Think about them. Now, I don't want you to start off too strong. So, you know, telling a group of people that you struggle with premature ejaculation... Or that you've uh, you've you've never been able to hold down a long term relationship before, and uh, yeah, I I didn't mean for those two examples to relate in any way, but hopefully you see my point that these examples are way too personal, too early on. I think probably, well, yeah, depends on how close you feel with the people that you befriend, but start simple. Uh, For example, if you've ever been compared to a cartoon character or an ugly famous person, that is a great starting point to show that you are comfortable taking the piss out of yourself and your appearance. And if you're lucky, this will spark the beginning of a friendship with a local. Coming to think of it, when I am tutoring Asian students, they are often comfortable talking about my appearance in a serious way like saying oh you look ill or you look tired did you not sleep well uh, which is unnatural for brits we we don't like the honest approach towards each other regarding our flaws we we do it through humour otherwise it feels a bit uncomfortable if it, it almost feels sincere or genuine like we have genuine care for each other. I know that Koreans and perhaps Japanese say this comfortably in a, in a caring way. And maybe also because Korean culture is rather vain. But Brits wouldn't feel comfortable admitting that we care about each other. And, it, and it's far too direct anyway. The best option is for everyone to wait for the person or the victim to bring it up themselves. And again, to start self-deprecating, to make jokes about themselves, about the thing that everyone is thinking of. If they don't, then the only way we feel comfortable mentioning that somebody looks worse or ill is through attempting humour. Now, we might exaggerate the situation like saying, God, you look f***ing awful today, mate. Or by suggesting a reason for the horrendous state that they are in. By saying like... uh, God, you look like you've had a big night out in the town then. And this is only really done when there is a mutual respect amongst the people at hand. Which leads me on to what I'm going to call respect-based vulgarity. In the UK, we don't turn away from our elders when taking a sip from our glass at the dinner table like the Koreans do. Nor do we use a different pronoun for the people we consider to be above us in social hierarchy, like the Spanish or German do? But one obvious way we do show our respect is by using vulgar humour. If you were to create a list of polite versus rude words to describe people, you would notice very quickly that the more friendly we are to a person, the ruder the descriptions get. If I've just met someone new... I might say, ah, oh, he seems nice. And in regards to a best friend, I'd be happy to call him a stupid knobhead, which is a synonym for dickhead, but slightly less offensive and a bit more light-hearted. So you see, the aim of the game for you as a non-native who might be interested in befriending a Brit or two is to get to the point of being referred to as something very horrible. It seems counterintuitive, but if a Brit thinks of you as a great friend then they might even feel comfortable calling you a cunt. Or if they are not that way inclined, meaning they do not like to swear, then at least you might be called a fool, an idiot or even a muppet. It's entirely your choice, of course. If you wish to be nothing more than a nice person to spend an hour or two with, then steer clear of self-deprecating humour. But if you really want to bond with a Brit, your aim is to be comfortable calling each other a wanker. And on that note, we will leave it there for today. For Academy members, stick around for part two and three as we will explore the understatement rule in the bonus content and another style of comedy Brits love, which we call dry humour. But for those listening to the free podcast, my name is Charlie. Thank you very much for listening and I will see you next time for another episode on the British English Podcast. Remember, if you want transcripts of this podcast, then head over to the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. Or if you wanted to join the Academy to continue listening to part two and three of this episode and get a huge amount of video lessons, pronunciation practice, quizzes, assignments, bonus content, and much, much more that will ensure you get comfortable using the advanced language in these episodes, then head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com thanks again for listening and bye for now